Welcome to episode 195 of This Week in Linux, recorded live on April 23rd, 2022. I'm your host, Michael Sunnell. If you're new to the show, this is the podcast that will keep you up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, and I'll give you my take as a 20-year-plus Linux user. On this week's episode, we've got some distro news, app news, hardware news, and even a little bit of drama news to cover. All of this and so much more are coming up right now on your weekly source for Linux good news. This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean and by Bitwarden. Our first in the show this week is the latest release of Ubuntu, which is the 2204 LTS release. Now this comes with a lot of changes from the previous LTS, a massive amount of changes there, and also significant changes from the previous version of 2110. First of all, the biggest thing is that GNOME 42 is included in this release, and this provides a range of benefits from a streamlined user interface with more compact on-screen display notifications to improvements to the horizontal workspace transitions, also the improvements to the touchpad gestures, as well as uh, improved multi-monitor support. There's also an awesome new screenshot tool that does photos and videos, but most of this is thanks to GNOME 42, which we talked about in much more detail on Twill 191. So if you'd like to learn more about what happened and what came with GNOME 42, then check out episode 191 of This Week in Linux, link in the show notes. Also with Ubuntu 22.04 LTS, there's a new accent color picker system that allows you to customize your desktop with the preference of colors, which will modify various different elements of the visuals of the des- of the desktop as well as even icons like the file manager I- icons and that sort of stuff. Also there's some performance improvements for the desktop, expanded active directory integration for those who need that. Development tool chains have been updated and there's also um, updates and improvements to the Pulse Audio audio server. Now I personally would like to see Ubuntu implement Pipewire because there are a ton of awesome features in Pipewire and now that I've used it for almost a year I think, I got to say I don't want to go back. The the era without Pipewire, um, no thank you. But please, uh, hopefully Ubuntu joins in on the Pipewire fun soon because I think a lot of people will be appreciative of that. Also, in some unfortunate news, there was a last-minute launch day change related to NVIDIA-only systems. We talked about previously that NVIDIA was going to be defaulting to Wayland by, by default on the new version of Ubuntu, but that's not going to happen. So the proprietary driver, as they are now, they're defaulting it back to Xorg rather than Wayland. This is apparently due to NVIDIA requesting that Ubuntu revert their previous decision to ship Wayland by default. Wayland would still be used for machines that have the hybrid graphics approach, as tests show that Wayland works better in those situations. And to be fair, though, having a partner request this, uh, you know, this close to a release, like a last minute release, this is probably pretty difficult for Canonical to deal with. So they were kind of stuck between a hard place and a rock. So, you know, so to speak. And I understand that that could be an issue, but I am kind of disappointed that they weren't shipping it because, well, the faster that happens, the more improvements will be going, be done and the better overall for the ecosystem. So hopefully NVIDIA will address this in the future and this will be not an issue going forward. There also seems to be some news about a potential IPO for Canonical in 2023, but we'll have to wait and see there. If you'd like to learn more about the latest release of Ubuntu 22.04 LTS, link in the show notes. Up next in the show, we have some more Ubuntu topics to talk about. This is specifically for the Ubuntu flavors. For those who are not familiar, Ubuntu flavors are derivatives that are officially sanctioned by Canonical slash Ubuntu, and there's quite a few of those. There are a lot of other derivatives, but 
the term flavor applies to the officially sanctioned uh, derivatives. So the Ubuntu Flavors 2204 releases, there's quite a few. We're not going to be able to cover everything for all of them, but we're going to do some highlights. All of the Ubuntu Flavors share the same core components that Ubuntu does with the main edition, like Linux 5.15 LTS, Mesa 22.0 provides the open source graphics driver support, and etc. Also, uh, Kubuntu 22.04 LTS features the latest KDE Plasma 5.24 LTS desktop environment by default, which they also have KDE Gear 21.12. We're going to talk about another release of KDE Gear that happened this week, which is not be able to be included in this latest version of Kubuntu, but that's going to stay, stick around for that, that topic later in the show. And KDE Frameworks 5.92 software suites will be included, as well as being used with Qt 5.15.3. Ubuntu Studio is also going to be using Plasma 5.24 with their own modifications, but they're going to be using... Uh, that's one of the cool things I love about the way that they do Ubuntu Studio and Kubuntu is that they share development on that part, which is pretty cool. Also, another flavor is Lubuntu, and this is the official flavor for Ubuntu that is based on the LXQt and desktop environment. So the it's the LXQt or LXQt, depending on what you want to say. Uh, the project's goal for this is to have a lightweight but functional Linux distribution based on Ubuntu using LXQt, and this comes with LXQt 0.17.0 and Qt 5.15.3. The next flavor is Zubuntu. Zubuntu 22.04 LTS comes with the latest XFCE 4.16 desktop environment with the Greybird 3.23.1 theme and elementary XFCE 0.16 icons by default. And they also have support for GNOME 42 stack. It's not necessarily using GNOME 42, of course, but it is using support for stack in case you need to install various different components or applications and stuff that will need that stack. And also it has the latest versions of the default XFCE apps, which have been receiving a lot of development in the past couple of years, which is great to see. Also, Ubuntu Budgie 2204 LTS is using the latest Budgie of 10.6.1 desktop environment and offers improved support for Raspberry Pi devices. It also features a new Align to Grid option when right-clicking on the desktop to align icons in a grid mode. It also has better handling of file extensions, better support for printers, as well as many other additions and changes, including updates to their tiling window tool called Shuffler. Uh, Ubuntu Mate 2204 LTS also has a lot of new changes. So this features the latest 1.26.1 Mate desktop environment by default with a much improved Yaru theme that now supports the accent colors just like the regular main edition of Ubuntu does. And it has support for dark and light panels and panel icons, which is really nice for those who want to use a dark mode, which I do. I didn't mention this in the previous thing, but also because of the fact that they're using GNOME 42, the main edition of Ubuntu also now has a full global dark mode, which is fantastic. But there's a lot of other things that GNOME 42 brings that you could check out episode 191 for more details there. Also, Ubuntu Mate 22.04 LTS has updated a lot of in-house applications such as Mate Tweak, Mate HUD, Mate Welcome, uh, Ubuntu Mate B uh, Software Boutique, uh, a lot of other things, including their in the message indicators that they have for by default, and so much more. By the way, the HUD system, very cool. I'm super happy that someone decided to bring that from Ubuntu Unity into another DE. So that's cool. For those who don't know what that is, you can check out a video. I'll have linked in the show notes where I talk about this on a video regarding the switch from Unity to GNOME. It was many years ago I made this video, but it covers the HUD pretty in-depth. So I'll have that linked in the show notes. 
Also, Ubuntu Kylin or Chillin, not sure which one you're supposed to say, but 2204 LTS comes with the updated desktop environment for UK UI 3.0 by default, which features several improvements to the network manager applet, power management, window switcher, panels, screensavers, greeter, theme, control center, system monitor, and so much more. If you'd like to learn more about the latest flavors of 2204 for Ubuntu, you can find links in the show notes. Alma Linux OS has announced the beta release for Alma Linux OS 9.0 for all four supported architectures, which is x86-64, ARCH-64, which is for ARM, PPC-64LE, and also S390X. This also means it has achieved architecture parity with upstream RHEL. First and foremost, as this is a beta release, it should not be used for production installations. However, if you want to test this release, then have at it. Okay, now that that's out of the way. So they're working on cloud images and container images as well. So that's currently in process. Should be out pretty soon to test for those who are interested. But let's talk about what comes in Alma Linux OS 9.0, and specifically beta release again. This is based on upstream kernel version 5.14 and contains enhancements around cloud and container development and improvements to the web console. This release also delivers enhancements for security and compliance, including additional security profiles. Other various updates include Python 3.9, GCC 11 with the latest versions of LLVM, Rust and Go to make modernizing the applications faster and easier, and there's also so much more. Alma Linux is a really cool distribution. It's, it's a clone of RHEL, and it uses CentOS ba- uh, packages to create this system, and also RHEL packages, of course. But it's basically the CentOS saga that happened a couple years ago now, like technically a year and a half ago, has cre- created a lot of stuff from the aftermath, so to speak. And Alma Linux is one of those things, and I think Alma Linux is probably... One of the best, if not the best, solution for someone who wants to have a RHEL clone or a RHEL derivative, because I think the way they're doing it in terms of their community infrastructure, the way that they have the whole thing just set up as a governance package and all that sort of stuff, Alma Linux is fantastic. And if you'd like to learn more about Alma Linux 9.0 beta, you can check the links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. With DigitalOcean, you also get predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. You also get support at every stage of growth, from teams of one person to teams of a thousand people with simple, powerful cloud computing you can get growing at DigitalOcean. And as a listener of the This Week in Linux podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, Go get started with that $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform by going to do.co slash tux2022. And want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of This Week in Linux. On a previous episode of Twill, I covered a slick modular laptop from Framework Computers. This week, Framework announced that the Framework laptop mainboard is now available as a standalone platform. And to quote the company, they say that we designed the mainboard from the start as a standalone module to make 
upgrades easy in the framework laptop and to also work great as a high performance single board computer using Intel's, just bear with me, i5-1135G7, i7-1165G7, and i7-1185G7 processors. Okay, now back to the quote. All you need to do is insert memory, plug in a USB-C power adapter, and hit the tiny power button on the board, and you've got a powered-up computer. Now, the reason for this release is they want to make it possible for others to use the main board in their own products and projects, which is awesome. So with that in mind, Framework released a GitHub repository of the CAD files and electrical documentation for this Framework main board. Framework also has created a dedicated Linux page to display compatibility with various distros, which I think is awesome. And this list covers support with Fedora, Ubuntu, Linux Mint, Manjaro, uh, PapaOS, and also more are expected to be added in the future as well. And I just wanted to cover that because I think it's awesome that they have a dedicated page to tell you what kind of support is available on various different features. So that's just awesome. I'll have links to the new mainboard news as well as the Linux page for Framework in the show notes. Tuxedo Computers have announced a new laptop that's available. This is the Tuxedo Stellaris 15 Laptop Gen 4. There's also a Gen 3 on the store, so if you want this particular one, you need to make sure you get the Gen 4 in the store. So the Stellaris 15 is meant to offer maximum performance in a compact and portable form factor. That is that from their marketing materials. That's what they say. So let's see what they mean by maximum performance. So the specs of this laptop is, well, massive. So you have the options for the CPU of being an Intel Core i7-12700H or an Intel Core i9-12900H, both with 14 cores and 20 threads. The GPU options are NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3060, 3070 Ti, and 3080 Ti if you want to get that. There's also a 3K WQHD IPS display with a 2560 by 1440 pixels resolution and 240 re, uh, hertz refresh rate. Also, it has an optomechanical keyboard and a glass touchpad, which is very nice to see. And it has a starting price of 2,099 euros. If you'd like to learn more and check out the uh, Tuxedo Stellaris 15 Gen 4 laptop, link in the show notes. I promised some drama in the intro to the episode, and there's a little bit, and now we're going to talk about it. So some shots have been fired from Mark Shuttleworth of a Canonical on flat packs and whether they'd be included in Ubuntu. Now, not very strong drama or anything, but it's a little bit of drama. So OMG Ubuntu is reporting some interesting news related to flat packs in Ubuntu, and that news is that Mark Shuttleworth has commented on the possibility of this happening in a recent Q&A that what they held for the release of Ubuntu 22.04 LTS. Mark was asked if the desktop edition of Ubuntu would ever consider shipping with Flatpak support out of the box. And I quote here, Mark Shuttleworth says, I can say right now Flatpaks wouldn't work for us. I don't think they have the security story, and I also don't think they have the ability to deliver the same integrity of execution over time that snaps have because we built those things into snaps, end quote. Now, it's not surprising he has this perspective, being the creator of the uh, Canonical and having Snaps being a homegrown kind of thing. So I get that. But let me just say, as I'm not a systems engineer, nor do I have skill in developing an application format, much less a universal app format. But with that said, come on, son. Come on, son. Since seeing this as a response, I did some digging myself, and based on my findings, it seems there's a bit of an issue with the security story of Snaps, as it were. The biggest problem is that the security story of Snaps only properly works in Ubuntu, and derivatives of Ubuntu. 
There are ways for other distributions to compensate for this issue, and some have done that, but overall, snaps lose their confinement benefit when running on distros that aren't Ubuntu or based on Ubuntu. This seems to be due to specific Ubuntu patches to AppArmor that are not upstreamed in the AppArmor implementation used by other distributions. Now, like I said, there are ways to limit this issue and which some distros have done, but I gotta say, when Flatpak Security Story continues to work regardless of which distro it is on, well then, well, to me, that's kind of better security story. He goes on to say that enormous number of developers and consumers prefer to publish uh, ex the publishing experience and the simplicity of snaps to bring the, to the Ubuntu desktop. That might be true. I'm not sure. But there also are some issues where there are some you know, room for improvement. And he also acknowledges this and says that, and I quote, there definitely are places where we need to improve the snap experience on the desktop. Startup performance times seem to be really, really important, so that's something we can focus on. Also, managing the boundary of security manage and managing the places where you want to deliberately take your application out of the box and that sort of stuff. So, yes, Mark, this has been a complaint, the speed and the how long it takes for snaps to load from the community for years. It has been improved over the years, and it's essentially a... But it's kind of common knowledge, right? That this point, snaps load very slowly. I do think snaps have a lot of benefit, though. This is not a dig at Canonical or snaps or Shuttleworth in general, but when I heard that security statement about Flatpaks, it certainly piqued my interest to go digging a bit, and then I found out that stuff about how the snaps confinement security stuff doesn't really work outside of Ubuntu, so it's not really universal necessarily in terms of all the features. I will say that snaps are fantastic for server usage and how it makes it so easy to install otherwise very difficult things such as Nextcloud. That's very powerful and a great experience. I like that a lot. But I think there needs to be a bit more research into this security story situation from someone who is a bit more experienced than I am in this sort of thing. If someone out there chooses to pick up the reins here, please get in touch and let me know what your results are because I'd be very interested in that. If you'd like to learn more about this, I'll have a link to the OMG Ubuntu article on this in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com DLN. Bitwarden is a password manager that has software that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, Bitwarden provides you with tools to store all of your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords for you, and even automatically fill in those passwords on login forms so you don't have to do any of this. You can also access your data across many different types of devices, whether it's your web browser, mobile applications, desktop application, or even on the command line. Plus, Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end -end encryption before it ever leaves your device, so you know you're the only one with access to your data, which is fantastic and super important, and one of the reasons why I love Bitwarden. Also, Bitwarden is open source software, which is yet another reason why I love Bitwarden. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started. And I also want to think, think you want to check out their premium account because for less than a dollar per month, that's right, less than a dollar per month, you get a lot of great extra bonus features such as one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, priority customer service, and so much more. And by the way, the Vault Health Reports allows you to check to see if your passwords have ever been... Uh, compromised or if you have duplicate passwords being used and all sorts of stuff a lot of great stuff in there so check that out and you get all of this for less than a dollar per month that's right so make the smart move like many of the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash dln to get your account at bitwarden today and thanks again to bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of this week in linux 
KDE Gear 2204 has arrived this week. For those unfamiliar with what exactly KDE Gear is, well, KDE Gear is the collective release of KDE applications. Every few months or so, app developers from the KDE community do a unified release, and this is what is referred to as KDE Gear. The gear part of the name is anyone's guess as to why it's called that, but at least now you know what it is. This release is very exciting as this is the first release which includes the new calendar app, Calendar. For those listening to the audio-only version of the show, Calendar is spelled with a K if you're interested in checking it out. And by the way, I think that's a fantastic name for this application, and it is also a really nice modern calendar that you will support most of what you would probably need if you want to do Google Calendar and all that sort of stuff. It does work with that in Calendar. Uh, Console now has a new snippet feature, which is pretty sweet. This allows you to store snippets like multiple commands or even bash scripts inside of your console terminal to be used directly without the need of implementing a script, which is very cool. I'm not sure how much I would use this, but because I've already been doing scripts for, for a very long time, but I will certainly be giving it a try. I use snippets all the time in other applications, and I'm excited to see what kind of improvements to my workflow it has if I use them in console. Also, Caden Live is the KDE video editor and my go-to video editor uh, this for this show as well as Destination Linux. I'm always excited for each new release of this video editor because they continue to int- introduce new cool features and overall improvements of the processing of editing video, and this release of Caden Live is no exception to that, and I'm so excited for one of the new features. First of all, the render dialog has been revamped to make it easier to discover all the various options available. Plus, there's a new feature that I'm most excited about is the new multi-render zones. Previous versions allow you to render an entire timeline or a selected zone that only one at a time. But now, you can render zones based on guides, which means that you can use this to render multiple sections of a video all at the same time in different videos, and this is pretty slick. KDenLive now also supports Apple's M1 Mac, so users of macOS can now use KDenLive, widening the potential of the user base, and that's pretty cool too. Up next in the KDE gear set is Kate. The Kate text editor has received a lot of improvements to the overall polish of the application. Kate is not a simple notepad like you know text editor. In fact, it's much more powerful along the same lines of an IDE, and it's got a lot of great features that and a lot of t- I use it all the time. And if you haven't tried all the cool features of Kate, then I recommend checking it out. Also, KDE's Document Viewer Ocular received some enhancement to this, the usability and the user-friendliness by introducing a welcome screen when opened without a document. Ocular also became the world's first computer program to be awarded an ECO certification backed by a government. We talked about this in more detail in episode 190 of Twill, if you'd like to learn more about that. There are also improvements to many other applications in this KDE gear release, like the Elisa Music Player, Spectacle Screenshot Tool, GwenView Image Viewer, their Travel Assistant app, uh, KDE Itinerary, and much, much more. If you'd like to learn more about KDE gear 2204, link in the show notes. SDL2 has decided to revert its Wayland preference decision because back in January, we talked about it previously, that change was pushed into SDL2 Git where the library prefers Wayland by default were available rather than defaulting to using X11 support. So Sam Latinga, I'm not sure how to say that, sorry about that, commented with a revert saying that SDL Wayland support is stable, but there are a number of issues with third-party software. NVIDIA drivers, libwayland event overflow, libdecore not handling plugin load failures, Steam overlay not working with Wayland, and etc. That makes it better to default to X11 at this time. 
Sam did note that though games preferring Waylon can use the SDL API to indicate their individual preferences, so game developers can use some code to specify the use of Waylon if they choose to do so. It's also important to note that most of these issues are related to SDL inside of the Steam runtime, so it's not necessarily an SDL-specific thing in terms of Waylon. And I look forward to the future when Waylon is being supported uh, by default because Waylon is a fantastic protocol and the experience has drastically changed over the years. And right now, there's a lot of cool features. There's way too many to actually list right now in this topic. But if you'd like to learn more, links in the show notes. QEMU has released a new major version of this open source machine emulator and virtualizer with QEMU 7.0. QEMU 7.0 contains more than 2,500 commits from 225 contributors, so there's way more to cover than we have time for, so let's just hit some highlights. QEMU 7.0 brings many new features like support for logging guest events via the ACPI ERST interface, improved security label support for the VertIO FS shared file system for virtual machines, improved flexibility for fleecing backups, including support for non-QCAL2 images, as well as support for Intel AMX on the x86 platform. There's also many improvements to QEMU support on ARM, RISC-V, OpenRISC, and PowerPC platforms, and so much more. If you'd like to learn more about the latest release of QEMU 7.0, link in the show notes. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on the show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the show and the channel, we have multiple ways to contribute via Patreon, sponsors, and others. You can learn more by becoming a patron at tuxdigital.com contribute. And if you do become a patron, you can join me during the live stream in the recording stadium to discuss stuff between the topics and just hang out every week after the show. And also, we have a pre-show now that I played some music and we just kind of hung out while I was prepping the show this week. So that was fun. But also, we have every week a patron-only post-show that happens every week after the show. So that's always a fun time. You can also support the show by ordering a Linux is Everywhere t-shirt and the This Week in Linux shirt at dealinstore.com. Plus, while you're there, check out the other great stuff like hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and so much more at dealinstore.com. If you'd like some more podcasting goodness from me, then check out the latest episode of Destination Linux and Hardware Addicts, as I'm a co-host of both of those shows on the network. And just a reminder, this show is live every Saturday at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time or 1700 UTC, so join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest Linux news each and every week by going to dealinlive.com. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell, and I'll see you next week for another episode of your weekly source for Linux. Good news.